refreshingly honest, bold and brutally frank. This is Bareface Stories. So as I continue south, I see he has a fairly large penis for a dead guy. (laughs) You can plan your life with surgical precision. Problem is, will everything go as planned? Stephanie Jung is our storyteller this week. But before that, another one. From Old Young's head distiller and award-winning maker of handcrafted spirits, James Young. What was it about being the head coach of the Lithuanian women's hockey team that made you want to make delicious gin? <laughs> um, if you're in Lithuania, you wanted vodka tonics, say Degtina tonicus prosho. They will then say shimptus tape, and you should say ne shimptus penke de shimpt prosho. And what's just happened is they've said 100 mil pour, right? And you've said, no, just 50. And they look at you like you're a lightweight because you've just ordered what here would be a double. Old Young's is in Perth's Swan Valley. Gin-tristing stories, gin-toxicating spirits. And now here's Stephanie Yule. I am an overachiever. In my third year reproductive biology unit at uni, I got the top mark in my tutorial, which was essentially the whole grade. Um, (laughs) I know that's like a big thing for me. So when my lecturer gave me the mark and he's like, oh, you did really well, I got up and I pointed to the guy who normally gets a top mark and I said, I beat you! I didn't have that many friends in my year group, but whatever. (laughs) All right, so cut to about four years later. I'm in the forest. I'm in the Nyungwe National Park in Rwanda. I'm wearing my hunter boots. I'm decked out in North Face gear, but I'm also covered in mud. I'm here to study the black and white colorless monkeys. And they only exist in this part of the world in these supergroups of about 300. And it's, you know, it's like a big deal for primatologists. So I'm here and I'm trekking through the forest and I have these short, stumpy legs. So every time I go up a hill, I'm like essentially sliding down and then crawling and then slipping down the other side of the hill. And my trackers and my supervisor are very tall, six foot whatever guys with their elegant gazelle legs and this kind of stepping around and I'm like behind them. (laughs) And the whole time I'm thinking to myself like, just suck it up, this is your dream. You know, like you've worked so hard to get here. You're finally going to make your dreams happen. So I'm psyching myself up. Finally, we get to the field site and it's like the Disney movies and the trees part. And I'm like squatting on the side of this forest, this mountain, and it's amazing. It's, the, it's my favourite forest because it's cold and it's at a high altitude, so there's no mosquitoes, so you don't have to worry about that. Not very many spiders, or I didn't see any. But in front of me, there are these 300 black and white colobus monkeys, and they basically look like some slinky monkey crossed with Crusty the Clown. They've got this, like, 
poof poof thing going on and they like they exist in their little family groups some of them are feeding some of them are playing some of them are eating some of them are fucking you've got all like you've got the whole you've got the whole thing going on you know so I'm I'm in this field site and I've achieved my dream at what like 25 or you know but you know I'm, I'm sitting there or I'm squatting and I don't know, I just, I, I didn't feel anything. I felt really numb. I felt really lost. And I just thought to myself, like, you know, what's going on? Like, this is the pinnacle of your very short life. Like, you should be freaking ecstatic, right? But I'm, like, squatting then. I'm looking at the clouds and I'm thinking to myself, like, it's going to rain. I, I need to get back. Like, I don't care. It took me three hours to get here and I've been here for, like, 20 minutes, I need to get home before it rains. That's all I can think about. So we end up climbing back up the mountain to go home. And I was eventually dragged up the mountain a little bit because of my weak legs. And I scrambled up. So we get back to the Kitabi um, Conservation College. That's where I was staying. And I'm having my dinner in the dining hall they're playing Rwandan Big Brother on TV. <laughs> I can't believe it's a thing, right? Like, what? Okay, so, like, yeah, they're, they're playing Rwandan Big Brother. And, you know, there's these, like, neon beer side signs and things like that. And, and I'm on my own. I don't really know anyone. Also, like, I kind of, I don't know, people carry guns. It's really scary sometimes. Um, so I go and I get my dinner. And I see they have Rwandan, like, they have spaghetti. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, you know. Um, and it turns out Rwandan spaghetti is just plain boiled spaghetti. There's no topping. Uh, so I just get some beans and some cassava, which is basically, like, really sticky, flavourless mashed potatoes. So I'm just, like, eating carbs in this loony dining hall by myself. Okay, and then, um, so the next morning, I wake up. I wake up sobbing and, you know, that's like never happened to me, like waking up crying. And the first thing I do is I message my best friend, Jess. I can't remember what I really sent her. It was like a torrent of emotional things. But I do remember the last message that I sent was, I'm drowning. So it's now about, you know, a few months later and I'm sitting in a lab. It's about like... 16 degrees, I'm by myself, the cold temperature keeps the formaldehyde low and there's a silver gurney in front of me. I peel back the white plastic sheet and the moist cheesecloth and lying in front of me is George. I have the body of a gentleman and I named him George not because his actual name was George. I don't know anything about him. But this cadaver, I named him after one of my favourite supervisors, George. <laughs> I love him. He's amazing. I wish he was my granddad. Um, George. <laughs> mm, no, don't um, So, you know, I'm not doing this because I'm a psychopath. Uh, <laughs> one needs to make ends meet. So this is what I do for money. In my story, yeah. So, cutting up bodies, not because I'm crazy, but for the first year med students and the anatomy students. So I'm doing this over the summer. And I end up sending my summer with George, and it's just the two of us, and it's kind of cool, right? Because <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm fulfilling 
his last wish on earth, his dying wish. So I spend the summer with him and I use my scalpel blade and I remove the connective tissue off his muscles and I make sure he looks like, you know, an anatomy textbook kind of body, like muscles and stuff. And, <laughs> and he lets me cut open his chest. So I use these, they, they seem like they were secateurs that I could buy from Bunnings for about five bucks. But I crunch each of his ribs as I go around and I lift open his chest cavity wall and I can see that there are these bits of wire that are used to seal his sternum or his breastplate and that tells me that he had some sort of open heart surgery when he was alive because I can see that the connective tissue has healed over it. And so I look at his heart to see if I can figure out if there's a stent or anything like that. Mm, I see a few things, but it just kind of looks a bit fatty. So I go over his body, making him look sexy. He's got killer glutes for an old guy like these people. You know, they donate their body to science. They don't just, like, die and we collect... I mean, they die and we collect them, but I don't kill them, right? So, like, natural causes. But he had, like, these, like, pow, pow, killer glutes. And he had these rock-hard abs... And he had those, like, you know, like, sexy serratus muscles that guys kill themselves over. And he was, like, old, right? So he must have, you know, he was clearly in great shape. So as I moved further south... <laughs> maybe I have unresolved issues with my supervisor. Anyway! <laughs> OK, so I'm moving south. And, you know, I, I see he's had two hernias... On the right-hand side, I can see that he's had some sort of surgery to heal that, but there's still a bit of swelling. And on the left side, it was untreated, so he would have died with that hernia. And basically a hernia is when part of your bowel pops out of your body wall. And I squeezed that little bit and I was, yeah, it's full of poo, yeah. Um, so as I continue south, I see... He has a fairly large penis for a dead guy. <laughs> so naturally, I slice it in half. <laughs> and you'll be surprised how easy that was. <laughs> and as I split his penis open, I saw that he had a penis rod. Basically, that means he was constantly half erect during his lifetime. And I just put this story together that George was this sexy older guy, you know, live fast, die young, sex all the time. Nothing would stop him, not his hernias. So, you know, I mean, like, he didn't even have a pump, so his penis was definitely half erect all the time. <sighs> I'm not excited. I'm just taking a breath. I'm taking a breath. Ooh. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So it's a year later. It's a year. I'm pregnant. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh. All right, all right, all right. Let's get, let's get back in. Shh. 
time. It's a year later. And I'm in the anatomy lab. And there's three lots of, you know, anatomy classes milling around. They're checking out all of the cadavers. And I see a bunch of kids, or like they're not kids, like uni students. And they're, you know, checking out George, lifting up his chest, freaking out about his wiener. <laughs> and I just sashay over to, <laughs> to show them what George taught me. Thank you. That was Stephanie Young. And next week on Bareface, we'll be taking you to an emergency department. I think of him as this jackal, this lion, and I am being dragged to the ground slowly. How do you survive wild animals when you're a petite doctor? You'll hear Michelle Johnston's story next week on Barefaced. In the meantime, if you want to hear more amazing stories like this, you can head to barefaced.com.au to find out when our next live show is. And if you want to tell a story, check out when our next workshop will be. It's a hands-on creative development weekend, perfect for dipping your toes into the storytelling waters or finding new stories if you're a seasoned pro. The music heard on our podcast is done by Odette Mercy and her soul, Atomics. Producers are Amber Cunningham and Katie McAllister. A big thanks to our sponsors, Old Youngs. My name's Andrew Gibbs. Catch you next week.